Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Keep Left, the programme of the, the Victorian Labor College. In the studio is Kim Doyle. Hi, everyone. And myself, Chris Gaffney. Unfortunately, Kim will be leaving us through, uh, and it's not just because I'm an appalling person, it's because she can't can't uh, make the time on this. So if there's anybody out there who would really like to participate in the Keep Left program, contact us and we'll uh, we'll have a chat about it. All yeah. right? For the record, I think you're adorable, Chris. <coughs> oh, you're, you're too kind. Cause of course I am, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now you're going to talk about... Uh, the um, Australian Border Force. Uh, it was a couple of hours, I suppose, after our last show um, when the failed Operation Fortitude uh, was uh, scuttled by protesters. Um, for people, if people haven't heard about it, I'll just give a brief recap of what happened in Melbourne CBD. So it was within hours of the announcement. Um, protesters forced Victorian police to cancel what was meant to be a multi-agency stop-and-question operation, which, as I mentioned, was dubbed Operation Fortitude. So the Abbott government's newly militarised immigration department, now named Australian Border Force, was to take part in a street crackdown scheduled to start in Melbourne CBD um, last Friday, the 28th of August. Um, And regional commander uh, Don Smith... Uh, said that um, ABF, that's Australian Border Force officers, will be positioned at various locations around the CBD, speaking with any individual we cross paths with. You need to be aware of the conditions of your visa. If you commit visa fraud, you should know it's only a matter of time before you get caught out. In response uh, to the prospect of these like quite menacing and fascist-sounding spot and checks happening in our city, uh, anti-racist activists called a snap protest uh, for the steps of Flinders Street Station, uh, where a press conference to launch the operation was scheduled to take place. However, before the media set up, protesters took over the steps. So after the launch appeared to have been aborted, the protesters blocked traffic in the busy city intersection in front of the station. And as numbers grew to 200, the rally moved into the train station where agency representatives had attempted to shift the press conference. So after disrupting the media event yet again, protesters surrounded the police station located inside. People have probably seen that little cop box at Flinders Street Station. looks very hot in there. Uh, Within minutes, police released a statement uh, which was read to the uh, crowd which said, Victoria Police has made a decision not to go ahead with this weekend's um, Operation Fortitude. So that was quite a victory. Mm, 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 absolutely. And there was a victory march uh, through the train station um, after the action. The, the, the thing was, it couldn't have been for operational reasons. I mean, if you had a dodgy visa or no visa at all, there's a warning. Don't come into the city. Exactly. So I think that was to send a wider message, reinforcing the government's intent to crack down on so-called illegals, overstaying visas or working without permission of the immigration authorities because why would you give the warning? Why would you warn people, you know, if you've got this, if you're a criminal, don't go to this place, otherwise we'll arrest you. Well, if you're There's a criminal... There's obviously a media operation. Mm, mm. 
uh, and I suppose a show of force, a way of, I suppose, testing out the Australian border force uh, in the public eye. But it was a complete failure. I mean, because the whole thing looked like, you know, a kind of where you know, show us your papers, kind of. Oh, absolutely, Casablanca that's, style well, thing. That's right. And and what about the people who are, are coloured who were actually born in Australia? You're not going to walk around with you may not even have a passport. Yeah, it reminded me of wasn't there a point when John Howard was talking about having an identity card that you had to carry around on you all the oh, time? Oh yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, it reminded me of that. Mm. Um, terrifying, really. So this not so successful border uh, border force action. Uh, has been pillared in the in the mainstream press. People, um, as I said, citing similarities with Nazi Germany, um, which prompted Abbott to claim it was all a big misunderstanding. Of course. And apparently it was just a badly worded um, <laughs> media release. Um, they kept going on about, oh, it only had low-level approval, but... It seems to have come out that that's not true. Rubbish, rubbish, lies. All lies. But, I mean, actually, it's interesting that Shorten did a complete about-face on this. Yeah, yeah. When it first came out, he said, we've got to make sure that people are not overstaying their visas. In other words, he supported (laughs) it. But once the uh, operation was abandoned, he changed his tune. He claimed that uh, it took him some time to realise that the operation was a bad police state look for, for Melbourne. Police state look. He's sharp, this bloke. He's sharp, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely quick and decisive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so in an interesting coincidence, the Australian Border Force removed about 30 detainees from the Maribyrnong Detention Centre in a raid early on Friday that a witness described as brutal and intimidating. A refugee advocated, advocate speculated the raid was undertaken to make way for the visa defaulters nabbed in the Melbourne CBD in um, the now infamous um, operation that was cancelled. So according to one source, uh, a team of up to 70 officers from the um, ABF, its dog squad and Serco emergency response team swooped in on the centre at 2.30am in the morning and they're believed to have woken the detainees, handcuffed them. Whereabouts was this? Maribyrnong Detention Centre. Right, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. so they were believed to have woken the detainees up, handcuffed them, and put them on buses bound for chartered flights. The men, on some of uh, the men, some of whom are asylum seekers, were taken to an undisclosed location. The ABF officers and the Serco team then continued to search each of the remaining ninety detainees, including uh, women, um, ten women, and their rooms, until five thirty p.m. on Friday. The source who did not want to be named said that there were distressing scenes at the centre with men screaming while being forcibly removed. The detainees were terrified of being taken to Christmas Island as they would then be cut off from their family and their friends. And um, this source was quoted as saying, there is an atmosphere of fear and intimidation at the centre now. One of the detainees said, we are treated like dogs. The Asylum Seeker Resource um, Centre um, Detention rights advocate Pamela Kerr said that the families and friends of detainees had been unable to find out where their loved ones had been taken, and they had people contacting them, asking them if uh, they would be able to find them. Um, and uh, Pamela said, "We have gone from secret onboard matters to secret in detention centre matters, where people are being moved from detention centre to detention centre in the middle of the night." and their families are not allowed to know where they are going. 
and she believed the government removed the detainees in a bid to make room ahead of the cancelled Operation Fortitude. And she said this was the day they announced the visa. What do you mean for all the people that thought they might arrest? Yeah, they thought that they might arrest, yeah. Um, And she said that this was the day they announced the visa inspection program in Melbourne. Uh, What they would have been doing is clearing out the Maribyrnong Detention Centre with hopes that they could pick up uh, visa anomalies and whack them into detention. We don't know that uh, for certain, but it's the most logical explanation. However, a spokesperson for the Department of Immigration and Border Protection said the raid was conducted to ensure the safety of the centre and stamp out criminal behaviour. However, a source told uh, Fairfax Media the officers only found two glass smoking pipes, iPhones and trolleys upon trolleys of extra linen and extra mattresses that the the detainees had managed to collect over their time in the centre. So no drugs were found. Um, So in a search lasting all day, with almost 80 officers searching 90 detainees and all they find is a tattoo gun and a couple of glass bongs. And some blankets. Dangerous. Dangerous yeah. blankets. So, um, as someone said, it sounds a little bit like overkill, and I think it stinks a little bit as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. So, having proven their worth to the community, the Australian Border Force are now hiring staff. They want to build a force of around, of up to 6,000 officers, apparently, and most of them trained in the use of force. 6,000? Yeah. It's still while it's still questionable exactly what their purpose and their powers are. Right, right. So those wishing to join this illustrious force must, according to the job ad, be willing to take an oath, use force, and fire a gun. So that's going to attract good sorts. Well, <laughs> in fact, of course, it was the previous Labor government under Justice Minister Jason Clare that first conceived of the oh really yeah, yeah. the border force. I'll try and act surprised. The try and act surprised. The Border Force Bill to establish the agency passed the Senate with Labor support on May the 14th. Only 10 Green Senators were the ones to oppose its establishment. Mm. So that's that's of interest too. Um, well, It's the- also um, uh, just a little bit more on what exactly this um, job entails. Um, apparently... Uh, you have to – there's about 150, 150 new recruits um, who must complete use of training force and be willing, as I said, to use p- uh, personal defence equipment, including a firearm. So far, apparently 860 people have applied online for the $42,865 a year job um, plus super. Um, and it's actually quite a low wage, not that that's really the point, mm. um, but they're not even paying their attack dogs very much money. So the recruitment campaign has... Well, you don't have to get major intellects, really, do you? You don't have to get highly qualified people, do you? No, no, you don't. That's not really what anybody after. who hates foreigners... Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but the recruits would be trained at an Australian Border Force college in Sydney or Canberra, and they would be required to take an oath um, pledging to discharge their duties well and uphold the good reputation of the Australian Border Force, which is a pretty tough ask for only 42000 a year. Well, yes, yes. Um, and they also must undergo fitness tests, which the department said involved flexibility, agility, strength, balance, coordination, power, speed and endurance. <laughs> um, the Border Force began in July when frontline immigration and customs functions merged. Uh, So in January, the existing workers who wanted to keep their operational jobs were forced to submit to a boot camp-style 
tests, including push-ups, squats, and shuttle runs. It just seems absolutely ludicrous. Uh, so if you're a female border official aged 55 years, you're expected to f- perform four push-ups. I think I could do that. And six repetition squats plus um, heart rate tests after climbing 22 steps in 60 seconds. Um, and for those aged under 35, you're expected to do eight push-ups. Um, wow. It's <laughs> it's just absolutely ludicrous. Um, but of the 5,000 to 6,000 strong body of officers... Um, that they're looking to build, most will be trained in force and several thousand have already been trained to use guns. So you might laugh about this goon squad, but um, obviously they're not paper-pushing bureaucrats. They're actually um, paramilitary force. Yes, absolutely. Well, the other point about it is that this Operation Fortitude, which is what it's all called, it's part of a broader political agenda of the Abbott government, backed up by the Labour Party, to hype up national security and to vilify refugees. And this is ultimately, along with the terror, terror, terror and more terror, is designed to direct attention from the deterioration of the economy and the deepening assaults on social spending, jobs, wages and conditions of ordinary people. That's the background in which it's got to be set. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was the, to me, almost Gilbert and Sullivan-esque ludicrousness of... uh, the uh, Royal Commission into the Alleged Trade Union Corruption, which is headed by Dyson Hayden. And you've got this this fellow who's able to judge himself as to whether he's biased. And um, It's a lot of soul-searching. Well, it's, it's like him saying to himself, now look, I've got this job with all this power and it pays me $3,000 a day. Do I want it to carry on? Well, I think I do. I think I do. So you don't and think he was genuinely more, soul-searching? So, and I think I'll take 10 days to make up my mind. Let's see, that's 30,000 bucks. I mean, <laughs> I'd want to put I'd it on I'd keep the, delaying it too, yeah. I would keep delaying it too. And uh, after two weeks of turmoil, the Abbott government's Royal Commission into alleged trade unions remains mired in political uncertainty. Following uh, the strident refusal of this extremely right-wing judge to disqualify himself over allegations of perceived bias. Not actual bias, of perceived bias. Now, the man is a well-known right-wing judge. That would be enough, in my view, to make his bias already evident. Um, He's presiding over a commission that doesn't look at business, doesn't look at all the rorting, underpayments, the 7-Eleven abuses, whatever, but is concerned with a few isolated cases of crooks, trade union crooks like the Cathy Jacksons of this world, who would be liable to those offences under any police law, under any criminal law going. Embezzlement is a crime. You don't need to do what they're doing to... um, You don't need a special royal commission. Um, Of course, uh, Dyson Hayden had taken up a speaking engagement at a Liberal Party fundraiser and... uh, The ACTU correctly said that the inquiry was terminally tarnished and that they are considering appeal to the courts to overturn Hayden's ruling. Any appeal will go to the Federal Court or the High Court and that would take months or even weeks or even months to decide. And, of course, while that's happening, the Royal Commission would be halted. So whatever happens, the Royal Commission is now, I think, completely discredited. Mm -hmm. If he stays on, it's even more discredited. And the fact that he accepts... 
a judicial, to speak at a judicial function, called the Garfield Barbecue. I mean, even I know, Garfield Barkin was a right-wing asshole who was a member of Liberal Party governments before he became an extremely conservative judge. And he advised... The, uh, in 1975, Garfield Barwick was advised um, Prime Minister Fraser in conducting the coup against the Whitlam government. Well, I see now why that he couldn't... You, that might give you a clue. You would think that perhaps he's not Garfield Barwick. It's anything named after Gil... Garfield Bug is hardly going to be a socialist turn, is it? Well, you can see why Dyson couldn't refuse. This was a man after his own heart. Well, absolutely, absolutely. Um, under conditions of a rapidly deteriorating economic situation... The Royal Commission's crucial component of the Abbott government's efforts to satisfy the mounting demands of the corporate elite for a much greater offensive against the wages and conditions of workers. This pressure was ramped up last week at the National Reform Summit called by the country's two biggest media conglomerates, Fairfax and Murdoch. The 90 assembles representatives of Australia's corporate media trade union and welfare elites vented their frustration of the failure of the Abbott government and the whole parliamentary establishment to fully impose the burden of worsening economic crisis onto working people. And that's what all this talks about, tax cuts for the rich and, of course, the GST. Um, Hyden's draft recommendations so far, this is with his Royal Commission, include imposing massing farms fines on workers for taking unlawful industrial action and giving police extra powers to break up picket lines. Nothing for the bosses. Mm. Nothing for the bosses at all. Hayden has got, as I said, one of the most openly right-wing judges on the, on the High Court, was, of course, hand-picked by the Abbott government for this task. So the, before he's done anything, before anything has happened, the suspicion that this might be a right-wing fit-up is well-founded. And we didn't need... Uh, day, the, uh, Dyson? Dyson. Dyson to uh, to rule for 10 days. It took him 10 days to work out whether he was fit for the job or, or not. It's just absolutely ludicrous. The only concern of the ATTU, of course, is to preserve their privileged positions as the enforcers of the dictates of big business. Uh, but powerful sections of business now regard the union apparatus as an unnecessary limit on the employer's capacity to destroy wages and conditions. I mean... The unions may be subservient, they may be right-wing, but they stand in the way of the corporate elite doing what they wanted. The inquiry by Hayden was a vehicle for pushing the Labour Party to try and reduce the power of union-based power brokers within the party structure. It's pressing for Labour to become an even more pliable instrument of the corporate elite, freed from factional interests rooted in the unions. For that reason, the case study selected by Hayden to probe accompanied by the glaring media coverage, have included accusations against Shorten, an ex-union boss, and former Prime Minister Julia Gillard of benefiting from union slush funds. Hayden twice delayed his de- decision and took more than a week to respond to, to the trade union submission. He's now known to have consulted Brandis, of course, as the uh, Liberal Party Attorney-General, by phone on August the 13th, before deciding to withdraw from his initial acceptance of an invitation to address a prominent Liberal Party fundraising dinner. And for someone who is clearly sick, like Hayden Dyson, Dyson Hayden, the fact that there was a Liberal Party sticker on the invitation that said, like, Liberal Party, 
didn't <laughs> didn't. I don't it. think judges need to be observant, do they? Well, clearly not. Clearly not. Uh, Hyden's petition was challenged more than two weeks ago on the lead legal grounds of apprehended bias after revelations that he was listed to speak at the Sir Garfield Barwick Address. Now, as I say, a pre- apprehended bias doesn't mean he's, you've actually got to prove that he's actually biased. The union applications rest on a legal test set out in, two, uh, 2000, uh, in the year 2000 in a high court case which says a fair-minded lay observer, that is an ordinary non-legal person, might reasonably apprehend that the judge may not bring an impartial mind to his task. Now, who could ever have suspected that of this right-wing stooge of the Liberal Party that he was, was biased? I mean, perish the thought. I think the only person who's not fair-minded is probably... <laughs> Hyden claimed that his address was to be in a purely legal one. No politics, no politics. Not related to party politics. Paying tribute to the country's longest-serving Chief Justice of the High Court, Sir Garfield Barwick, a mongrel if there was ever one. However, Barwick was also a senior Liberal politician, which, to someone as astute as the judge, might have given him a clue that there was a Liberal politician... Right-wing judge, Garfield Barwick address. Well, it's certainly not... Uh, he's not going to be producing a Marxist address, is he? I mean, you'd be pretty safe on that score, wouldn't you? <laughs> but it never occurred to our, to our judge. Uh, today's editorial in The Australian, or yesterday's, uh, endorsed Hyden's refuse to stand aside and declared that whatever results of any future legal challenge to Hyden, it's vital that this work of his commission be protected and continue. The newspaper understood the central target of the inquiry, referring to, quote, systematic abuses and inefficiencies that hamper productivity growth and weaken competition. Of course, they're attacked, only concerned there with the unions. These are code words for dismantling workers' basic conditions in order to boost profits and impose competitive wages, that is, com- com- competitive with Bangladesh, and living standards to match those already inflicted on workers in Europe and America. The editorial reiterated its call of the last month for the Abbott government to go on the offensive and declare the next election as a plebiscite on trade union power. So weak, right-wing, and only covering something like 19% of the Australian pot, but the mere fact of the trade unions, because they're working-class organisations, they are a problem. Even if the leadership of those working-class organisations like the ATT is entirely pro-business and is certainly not prepared to fight for workers' rights. And one thing that got me about this 7-Eleven business, which most people in the know sort of suspected, or is that in all the years that 7-Elevens were ripping off his workers, the shop assistance union never said a word never embarked on the unionisation, never cried foul that these people are being underpaid. This is their their potential members. What do they say? They obviously knew it was going on and they did nothing. Yeah, you'd think at the very least this is um, it's undermining the wages of all the workers in the sector. Well, shop systems not least. Um, sorry, did I catch you off? No. In other words, the Royal Commission should be exploited as a platform to turn next year's election into a launching pad 
for a school full-scale assault directed primarily against the social position of the working class while whipping the union bureaucrats and the Labour leaders further into line. And they seem to be accept- uh, successfully, successfully doing that. So uh, this uh, completely ludicrous situation of this judge deciding by himself, consulting presumably by himself, conducting extensive interviews of himself, having frank-to-frank, face-to-face discussions with himself. In a mirror, perhaps? In a mirror, perhaps, deciding, yes, I really am the top judge. Not only am I top judge, I'm completely unbiased. Even though I hate unions, and I'll demonstrate that for you, I'm completely... It's just... I mean, Gilbert and Solomon would have had a great deal of fun with with this. Um, So this is the, the extent to which... and. It's covering an overall attack by the establishment who are facing an economic crisis, as is becoming obvious every day, and they are determined to make the working class people pay for it. They want you to pay more tax through the GST. They want to give more concessions to business. They want to rise the profit rate at the same time and lower the wages. And the unions, ineffectual though they are, are a block to doing this in a whole-scale way. Mm. I was wondering as well, do you think that it's possible that the Liberal Party will give Dyson a kind of tap on the shoulder and tell him to step down later if it ends up being months of the Royal Commission being delayed? I mean, you think surely they'll be able to find some other right-wing judge? Well, they would, but uh, removing a judge doesn't give a good look. It doesn't give a good look at all because it shows that... So Okay, so what it's saying is that the inquiry up to date has been biased against the unions. So Mm. the unions and everyone else can safely discount everything that's happened so far because, look, they had this biased jerk in running it. So they're never going to admit that. And I think they will stick by him until unless he feels the pressure to resign. Well, if he didn't feel the pressure to resign over the last two weeks, he's not going to because he knows that Abbott and company need him and they need him to stay there. If he leaves there, it deals an enormous blow to the Abbott government because then the, 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 the quality of this Royal mm. Commission would be seen for the fraud that it is. It just undermines all the previous decisions. And well, of course it does. Of course it does. So I suppose it kind of leaves, hopefully leaves the Commission as a bit of a lame duck. Well, I'm, I think that's the case. And it's for the same reason, in a way, I want Dayton, I can never get his name right, Dyson Hayden, to stay there. Just as I want Tony Abbott yeah, to stay there. Two lame ducks. <laughs> two lame ducks. That's right. I mean, I don't want... Um, even though the politics will be exactly the same, even if... Um, what's the other way? Turnbull. Even if Turnbull became leader of the Liberal Party, and I don't think the right wing in the Liberal Party will allow that, uh, I don't want that because he at least superficially doesn't appear to be quite such an idiot as Abbott and he could swing votes back to the Liberals. Mm, and particularly of... with yes, me, yes, Shorten and the Labour Party offering no alternative whatsoever, uh, you know, it's difficult to see you know, it's difficult to see how it could be any any worse for Abbott and company. That's Better true. he stay there. Better he Except stay there. if um it'll be interesting if they lose um the by election in Canning because I, I was just reading about the fate of um uh Joe Hockey because people seem to be speculating, at least in the mainstream media, that uh, if possibly if uh, the Liberal Party lose the Canning by-election, that to sort of stave off um, 
election or leadership rumblings, mm-hmm. Abbott might possibly, you know, fire, get rid of Joe Hockey as a, a kind of way of trying to reboot his... Right, right. Well, yes, yes, they may do. I can't see him stepping down, can you? No, I think uh, I saw another... I mean, this is what, uh, in his childish, boyish way, he's dreamt of all his life, of being the numero umero. <laughs> exactly. Mm. It's interesting as well that it got appeared to be leaked. I imagine it would be leaked by one of Joe Hockey's supporters, but that's just speculation. But that usually seems to be how these things work, is that the leaks come from within the party. Well, you know, in, and in fairness to Hocking, it's probably not Hockey's fault. He's had the job. He's had the job of mounting a full-scale frontal assault on the working class and been caught doing it. And, I mean, you can't blame him for, you know, not being too savvy and, you know, dancing and smoking cigars and, you know, he is a top... Well, he's rich. He's rich. This is, this is what the normal life to him, and he forgets that, I mean, clearly, publicly forgets that, other people don't live this sort of life. Other people don't have multiple houses. People are completely free of economic security. Uh, you know, bayside properties and all the rest of it. And he, a lot of them, these rich people, they just forget that ordinary people are in a different world and looking, looking on with amazement at these people. Mm. Anyway, so you can't expect him to stoop to our level, it's too difficult. Well, no, that would be too far down. He would have to bend too far down to, to talk to or think about people like you and I. People, it's coming up at 10.30. Um, You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.